it doesn't my webcam doesn't fall off in the middle of this. Anyway, um, I am your host of Zenith, as always. This is another episode of the Spirit Channel. My lovely guest is Victoria Rader. She is um, someone who I've been in contact with a while now, and someone who has really um, taught me um, the value of looking twice. The value of looking twice, because initially I kind of thought, well, I'm not too sure, but I'm so, so happy to have taken another look and realize, oh my God, there's so much more about this person that I had no idea about. And like if, if there's like a Swiss army knife of, of spirituality of manifesting, it's definitely Victoria, because I don't think there's any aspect of this sort of stuff that has been left um, uncovered. There's so, so much that you do, Victoria. Um, and I've listed some some of that down, um, but I don't want to get bogged down and oh, you know, all of this sort of stuff. But definitely, there, there's so much there that you kind of do. And I was like, oh my god, is there anything that you actually don't do? You know, from um, from talking about love, from quantum physics, talking about oneness and Christianity, to um, tapping or EFT, to quantum freedom, to creating your own apps, to uh, your YouTube channel with all your different videos on that to talking about being homeschooled to talking about conflict through resolution to your video programs to your audio programs it's like it, it really is it's absolutely yeah yeah i'm overwhelmed now zenith i'm overwhelmed <laughs> <laughs> it really is so there's been a lot of uh not quite research but a lot of like right okay i'd better get this lady down to 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 things so um do you want to give us just a little bit about what it is that you do you know more than just the kind of stuff that i just kind of read off the top of my head yeah you know right away the intuitive message that came through and i think that maybe where we'll be taken on this journey we'll we'll see whether we are or not is that so often just like in that bio you were reading our brain wants to put it all into now as opposed to wait a minute it's a lifetime of struggle alignment messing up laughing you know and so i think it's just for me i think i'm best described as a journey that is fearless and unattached to result you know when i first founded my current uh, company that's called you to shine i often tell the story that i had five partners well there were four partners there were five of us and then it was like agatha christie and then there were four and then there were three and then there were two and i could go down the path of oh this is what was wrong with them but the truth is the one underlying consistent truth is i had no vision for where we were going but I knew I wasn't quitting. I was a relentless blind leader. <laughs> you know? I was just given the direction one day at a time for seven freaking years, for seven years. I knew just what am I do what, what I'm doing today. And then one day, you know, the spirit, the universe, God, however you refer to that inner knowing, right? That is connected to the outer knowing. <laughs> it was go to Hawaii. So I got on the plane the next week, I went to Hawaii and in the middle of the night, I got a vision for my company for the next 20 years, wow. seven years working in blind with zeal and excitement. And so I think it's just so good for all of us because we don't, I don't know where, when, when somebody is listening to this, I don't know whether you're on year five or on day one of your journey. 
just don't get discouraged, you know, just don't get discouraged. There is a pattern that is universal, that is inaccessible. So for me, when um, enough people shared my joy of crazy, you know, and we're, <laughs> we're like, oh, we want a piece of what she has, kind of a, a genuine movement of love began. And um, through literally thousands of client session at that point of healing and expansion and shifting the subconscious mind, um, I asked my clients, I wrote an email, I said, guys, in 15 years, I've never marketed, I've not done a social post, it's all been by referral. When you refer me out, what do you tell people that I do? <laughs> and, you know, and nine out of 10 people, literally, what came back was, I didn't think this was possible. I, you know, I was, I was 40,000, 400,000 in debt, whatever the number was. And now I own my business. I had a partner who's cheating on me. Now we are happy, or I have a new partner, or I had cancer. Now I'm healthy. Like all of these things. And so that's how Possibility Coach came about. I very clearly understood that I have a unique gift, and that is to see the spiritual possibility within a human being and equip them with practical steps to make what's possible probable because everybody believes everything is possible for somebody else. But once it's possible for me without losing who I am, that that's in a nutshell what I do. Everything I do, our products, I have a team of amazing coaches now, now, but everything I do has to do with, let me show you what's possible, but then take you beyond that, make it possible for you and probable for you. <laughs> Brilliant. You've actually got your own clothing brand now as well, I see. Yeah. Yeah. I have a, what do you say? Uh, clothing? Say clothing? Yes. So the clothing, uh, the clothing line was very interesting. We were going to launch it for our, I call Eastern Chakras Possibility Centers. Um, that's kind of how I bridged the gap where let's say root chakra, which is the grounding, is prosper me because in its closed way, it is there to teach us survive. But in its open mm -hmm. way, it shows us how to prosper humanity through our prosperity in all areas of our life. And then you go through each chakra, each center, you know, create me possibility, empower me, love me, hear me, see me, and master me. So we were going to launch lines for each one of these um, clothing uh, lines to support the opening of each center. And then the war in Ukraine started and I'm Ukrainian. And I uh, you know, uh, yeah, I grew up in Ukraine. And so we literally had everything lined up to launch and we rededicated the line to 100% profits of every clothing goes to support U Ukrainian troops and kids and so forth. So we, we shifted it to free me free me line and it's uh free me meaning ukraine and then we have a brand of eft which is free me eft so freedom is near and dear and as you can see it matters it's a genetic thing it matters a lot to ukrainians apparently yeah because <laughs> um, i know obviously you grew up in the former ussr which ukraine was obviously a part of so i don't know whether Obviously, we're not here to talk politics, but it must be a difficult one to navigate, you know, at times because the, this is war, this conflict has polarized so many people alongside political lines. And, you know, I, I find that too. I actually done a little video for my YouTube channel talking about 
um, propaganda and how we're kind of, you know, at mercy of propaganda and it um, plays with our emotions and which it forces us to take sides, you know, the bad west or the bodies, Russia's bad, NATO's bad. And I kind of talked about finding the middle way, finding the center ground, you know, about not letting yourself get drawn into either side and realizing, you know, like, you know, there's neither kind of, uh, there's neither a kind of victor or a, a, an ultimate bad guy in this. You know, there are two kind of opposing sides. And we need to, you know, be very wary of what is, you know, being projected to us and kind of like take this higher ground and realize, well, who actually wins in a conflict like this? Um, certainly not Ukrainians, or certainly not Europeans, certainly not Americans. It's generally the people in power, the people with money, and certainly the arms industries are ultimately the victors in this. So I don't know. Um, I think is there is no victory to war. There is only a resolution and restoration of peace. I don't think anybody wins in war. I agree with you. I think there are different levels of losses. And the level of loss is mitigated by the level of acceptance of inner peace. Um, so there are no winners. But um, I think on a substance, I work with subconscious, not only individual and group, but also planetary subconscious. Um, this is actually an amazing example we can take and expand into our daily practice of how subconscious programs work. So we're going to take the concept of freedom. So when you are at a low level of frequency, I call it, you know, powerless me. When you're powerless, you feel things are happening to you. Life is unfair and things are continually happening to you. So you can find yourself in those moments and it's not the way of being, it's the moments of being. When you say, how could it happen? Oh, come on, how many more times? Those are moments of powerlessness, it's good to hear them. And then there is a power hunger and the power hunger wants to restore the power and get it back. Mm -hmm. And it goes, it assumes that it's not where you are. So when you look at what's happening on the subconscious program, with Putin, there is a unsatisfied power hunger where there is an understanding that something outside of me can nourish me. And either it is Putin or either one of us on a daily basis, when I say, if only then, that's the program for power hunger. If only I were 30, then I'd be happily married. If only I were 50 pounds lighter, I would have attention. That is actually a power hunger. It's giving the power to something outside. So Putin says, if only I have Ukraine and next, I will restore great, powerful Russia. That is the program. I'm not talking about the horrors of children being killed for no reason, right? We're not, I'm not going into where my heart emotionally reflects. I'm talking about subconscious programming. But here is a part that all of us need to understand for every for every empath, there is a narcissist. Every unhealed empath will have a narcissist because an empath says, I have no boundaries. I feel what you feel. Don't feel what I feel. You have no boundaries. And the narcissist says, oh, great. You have no boundaries. You belong to me. So, but the power boundary is the same. If I say, I got to go out of myself to get something on the attacking part and then for the ukrainian subconscious there is a deep genetic program i must protect my freedom it's a program of 500 years 
Shifting the program to I live freely will be huge. We don't know which which psyche will heal itself first, whether the one I must have more in order to be happy, or I no longer need to protect what I have, because mm -hmm. that's the Ukrainian paradigm. I must protect what I ha have. So the empath says, I must protect what I have. No, you don't. You're protected by the light that you are, right? So we have a much deeper, I think, spiritual, quote unquote, warfare of the boundaries on individual level, on country level. And the bloodshed that is happening is, um, you know, is, is just the, the darkness giving way. And by darkness, I don't mean one person, one thing, one act, just the dark parts of us that think that, me changing Zenith will bring me joy. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> just, you know, when you point it that way, it's funny, but me changing my husband is less funny, you know? I still think I can give him unsolicited advice every day. <laughs> you know, stupid continues. So, yeah. that's, that's super fascinating and beautiful way to put it and a beautiful way of understanding, you know, that we're not here to pick sides, you know? And you mentioned spiritual warfare and that's so very true when we, kind of look at this kind of overarching picture of this kind of spiritual war that this conflict it's almost like this microcosm of this macrocosm of this kind of spiritual warfare that we hear about of these dark versus light where you know that the dark is seeking is is trying to seek power is hungry it won't be satisfied until it gobbles up that light but the light can't uh, is forced into a, a situation of defending itself because of it but on the attack, it then becomes the darkness. So it's kind of like falling into that trap. So it's kind of like, at what point do we kind of meet in the middle where, you know, we, we get both of these parties, I guess, to realize the other point of view that I, you know, I will never be satisfied unless I change the way that I think. And I will never um, stop these attacks unless I surrender to yeah. that. So it's just a very interesting point of view. The other thing that I wanted to mention are two were those two heavyweights. Um, you know, we can look at them as two, from two different countries. Massive heavyweights, massive tools at their disposal. Um, you know, very old um, for what they're doing. Um, and I don't know if you've just heard, but they've actually uh, just just laid down their weapons at all. No. I guess no. But anyway, but enough about um, uh, Roger Federer and Serena Williams retiring. That's oh, I'm yes. Doing. Roger is my favorite. Yes, I'm an avid tennis player. That's why I brought um, Yes, I'm on four tennis leagues. I can talk about that all day. So could I. Love it. I absolutely love it. And yes, <laughs> I, I'm heartbroken to see both of them, especially Roger as well. Yeah, but yeah I just thought that was a, a little fun analogy. Maybe we could, we should have talked about that before. We'll maybe talk about it after once we get all of this stuff out of the road. But anyway, yeah, so you were born in Ukraine and, you know, you're, you were actually told, you know, that there's no point in you learning English because you'll never leave this country and you'll never use it. And in your stubbornness, in your uh, desire to prove, um, I think your teacher was it wrong. You actually learned English and left there. Um, were you? Were you? Um, did you have your children at the time, or did you have them when you left? Left. Both kids were born in the U.S. Um, 
You know, but does I try as I may to follow the straight the the stream of thought? I'm just like I'm being thrown back to the one golden phrase you said. So I've got to go to what you said. You know, it's all about surrender, and I got to tell you, Zenith, in terms of alignment, yeah, there is. Uh, <laughs> I look at the boundaries of power as the first powerless me, and that is resistance, right? And then there, uh, and then there is resilience, which is uh, power hungry. You're resilient. You keep bouncing up. But the third level of being truly empowered is complete surrender to love. Um, and I, you know, I was. It just came so loud to me to share. I was uh, sitting in one of my temple actually, and I was triggered by the word surrender. Like, like, what do you mean surrender? Surrender to God, surrender to love. But I mean, come on, just where's freedom at that? And I'm sitting there and the spirit says, you're sitting on the bench right now, right? Right. Lift up your feet. I'm like, <laughs> lift up your feet. So I lifted my feet up and I heard you're now surrendering your weight to the bench. So when you surrender to God, when you great overall designer, right? When you surrender to love you are carried by it and through it you're completely empowered so i had an incredible healing around that word and i think that is the solution it but it's surrender to love so asking what would love do at this point and i look at love as life originating vibrant emotion which is energy in motion yeah. so if i'm adding to life it's love if i'm taking away you know, it's no longer love, no matter what I say it is. So yeah, with the with the teacher, you know, going back to that episode in this frame, she was protecting me, right? She didn't want me to be hurt. It wasn't a negative. Very often people that limit us the most are people that love us the most in their capacity. She was like, wait a minute, here's this girl who's yeah, like you said, pretty determined, you know, which wall <laughs> who's bleeding. I'm walking through it, you know. So, and she's like, life could be easier if you just learn, you know, German because there's a social can't, there's a social block in Germany. You can use the language. Why would you be learning English? You're wasting your time, you're wasting your energy, right? So, it was that need to protect me from me and protect me from my destiny because it made no sense. She gave me a phenomenal gift because in those years when I was, like I said, blindly walking day at a time saying, I got to do, I got to do this seminar. I got to do this. Mm -hmm. And, and I really did not have further guidance. I remembered her because I knew the calling inside me and I had to follow the calling inside me without resenting others, but saying, wait a minute, they're trying to protect me within the limit of their own safety, you know? And so that's just, that's how it happened. That's how it happened with the, you know, when the kids were born, I, um, in the U.S., I wanted to homeschool them so they could keep the language. And I've decided I wanted to learn Greek and uh, Latin, the basics of it. So I was teaching them Greek and Latin, you know, so many languages come from that. And uh, we decided to go to Greece. Well, we, we, we Victoria the Third, decided to drag her little kids and her mom to Greece. So we went for three weeks. Kids were very young. My son wasn't quite five. My daughter was eight. And um, I have zero sense of direction. And this is pre-GPS era. 
So good news, if you drive wrong direction on Crete, you run out of it, you can turn around. I've done it. It's a doable island for people without direction. You know, um, so my joke often is that my my spirit was going to Hawaii, and then because of sense of direction, it ended up in Ukraine. You know, <laughs> That's so. Um, but you know, trying trying to kind of make sense um, out of that. So we've we've gone to Greece with the kids to study the Greek history. And when I came home, my sweet husband sat me down and he said, I don't know how it's done in the former Soviet Union, but in America, nothing is attached to the plastic little card you've been swiping. <laughs> Welcome to debt. <laughs> so that's, you know, that's how I learned that there is concept of money management. God, for me, that is just so funny. You're cracking me up here. You're yeah. <laughs> oh, hang on. Oh, goodness me. Um, yeah, do you know what? But <laughs> like what you're saying there, um, just kind of going back to that teacher. And I think that's the problem with our societies. It feeds into this concept of surrender and protection back into those um, things that we were talking about, you know, this conflict, you know, the need for surrender and this need for protection is that this is why we face so many problems in the world today this is why our generation after generation keep growing up with problems and things that need to be fixing because we are born into this system when we grow up and we're taught the same lessons by our parents who think that in order to survive in this world and this system we need nurturing we need protection we need to be kept safe from bad choices um, and you're right, they think that they're doing us good, but we're just they're just perpetuating the same system that we've been in for thousands of years. And they're not understanding, they're limiting themselves to the possibilities. They're limiting themselves to unlimited possibilities. They've confined themselves into this narrow system that there's nothing outside of the system. The possibilities are too remote. I cannot see those possibilities. But there's kind of you saying, well, I believe in a different possibility. And when we do that, we limit the possibilities for ourselves and we cause so much unhappiness that we drag through our our early lives right up into adulthood until then people end up coming to someone like you in need of your services to kind of break down those barriers, to kind of let the light in, to show them new possibilities. Yeah, and I think, I think the biggest um, misnomer in the spiritual world is that is the relationship you know with money we're we're not, we're not terrified of anything as much as we're terrified of having money i mean come on now because you know clearly if you if you have money you cannot be enlightened i mean did you not read <laughs> the, the, the book of the great gurus of this earth broke means you know and it's fascinating because i think i think that um if you look at the language, and I love I love analyzing English like my fourth language. It's not my first, second, or third, right? It's my fourth language, but I love it because it just makes such simple sense. Like you talk about cash flow and the flow of water. So the water flows, the river flows through the banks. If you think about it, without banks, there is a puddle. Without water, there is a canyon. Mm. The concept of the river has to be the banks, the structure, and the water, the currency. Here's another money word, currency. Yeah. 
So people talk about being in the flow, but they don't want to have structure. It's against the universal law. We, we're afraid, a lot of spiritual people are afraid of order. Why? Because we carry the dogmatic poison of law and order as it's been forced by political societies. But the order in its pure form gives structure to the spiritual flow. As a matter of fact, if you want to intensify the flow, you move in the boundaries closer and the flow intensifies. So you think about it now with money, the laws of energy, money is the easiest that the creator had for us to learn to work with energy. It cannot be easier than that. Healing is harder. Try love. That's a full-time job. But because we don't, we're terrified of order, of structure, of simple rules, we as humanity are broke. We're in puddles. And so we can talk of connecting to the energy of oneness, be detached, like you and I were talking. You know, when I find myself on top of the mountain all by myself, I know I'm not enlightened. I'm delusioned. It's a big difference. <laughs> you know, it's lonely. It's, so yeah. it's because yeah. I run away. I, I'm running away from the beauty of order. And so that's why, to me, it was such a literal no-brainer say, wait a minute, currency, current, water, just like water gives biological life, just like energy of love gives spiritual life, money gives economic life. And here now in this physical experience, if we want to thrive, not to be alive only and not to survive, we want to learn the boundaries and trust that they won't suffocate us. The money is a magnifier. It doesn't change who we are. People say money changes you. No, money shows who you are. That's why so many of us are afraid of having some. Because, you know, mm -hmm. the crap will flow up. <laughs> Beautiful. Yeah, I guess it's it's the word money. It's the concept of money. And that's, I guess, why so many people are taking to call it an energy transfer rather than a money exchange. Because you say it's just this flow. We need to keep this in flow. It's not about hoarding this. So we keep it in flow. It gets stale. There you are. It gets like what happens to the water if it doesn't flow? You know, with the seas. I somebody said, I don't remember who I heard it from. Usually when I remember where I get it from, I love to give the credit to to the person I've learned it from, but not sure where I heard it first. Maybe maybe Brian Buffini, but he talked about the Dead Sea versus the sea, you know, the seas in Israel. And he was talking about the Dead Sea, how nothing can live there because it doesn't give to anything. It doesn't flow. So you take any water that does not come out, it's stale. So, but on the other side, it also has to let in. When I work with people, I find that people either give, that's by the way, energetically, the front centers, the chakras, when they're open, we're givers. And I, I shake them up saying, being a giver, I have the right to say it, is the most selfish way of being. <laughs> because nothing makes you happier than give, okay? <laughs> Period. So now that we're on the same page, welcome to the Selfish Giving Club. <laughs> Let's learn to receive because when you receive, you give somebody the greatest gift, an mm. opportunity to give. It's an exchange. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. 
So some of us know how to receive, don't know how to give. Some of us keep giving. Who needs to receive? I'm like, I'm exhausted, but there's still an inch of energy in me and a soul to be saved. I mean, I know it because I've lived it, right? So. Yeah, you're right. It's absolutely um, nothing. And that feeds into the concept of service where we try to be in service so much and we get caught up and I need to do this and I need to do that. But by giving of yourself so much and trying to help so many people and all of these, you're not actually helping anyone because you have no focus. You're not actually helping anyone. So sometimes it's better to rein that in and to focus where you're giving your energy, where you're focusing your output. And as you say, take a step back and with that bit of time, then learn to receive because that will strengthen you and then you'll want to give out more, you know, in that kind of direction. So it's a flow. It has to be this exchange, doesn't it? And people who are too, it's great that you want to be this completely unselfish person, that you want to think nothing of yourself, but that is almost like you're trying to be this martyr. And really at the end of the day, who are you helping then if you're running yourself into ill health and potentially, um, well, death, if you want to call it death, that is the end of your opportunity. That is the end of that. So you've just sold yourself short by running yourself down, by running yourself into health, by causing an on, you know, a, a death, running yourself into the ground. Then you've just kind of wasted the opportunity. You've wasted the rest of this life to, to help kind of you know continue on in that kind of fashion. You know, I I agree so much with what you're saying, Zenith, and I think that there is this pattern. Um, where yes, for so many centuries, it was all forget yourself, forget yourself. And then the pendulum shifted to you first, you first. And I love that you're seeking balance because in my little mind, you know, like telling a gospel from Vika is love is. So if you are channeling love, if you are surrendering to love, it is, I love me and I love all. There is no longer a need to be choosing between the two. So I love myself to draw the boundary of self-empowerment that no longer enables you to be dependent, but also love you to empower you in an hour of, of need and growth. And so the true experience of love will not take away from either loving yourself in favor of another or loving another in favor of you. It just is. There's this this balance of love is where you're feeling fulfilled by loving and serving, and yeah. you're you're not sacrificing. Um, although there is a law of sacrifice that I love and honor and understand, but sacrifice is not wasteful. Sacrifice is an investment. Another money term. We have energy, time, and money. We can waste it, spend it, save it, or invest it. In a certain, in, in our unclear um, way, we acquitted sacrifice to waste, but it is the highest investment. So once you understand it, then the law of sacrifice can be working in your favor beautifully. That is, it's a beautiful way to self it, uh, to state it. And I guess looking at yourself and your own journey and where you've came from is that you invested in yourself first. Because by investing in yourself, you're now in a position to give back, to help other people. But, but without that investment in yourself, without that self-love, without that recognition of I can do this because I believe in myself, you wouldn't have been in a position then to help other people. So people think well, by 
investing in myself by thinking of me first, not in a narcissistic or selfish way, but by trying to um, evolve yourself, by trying to, you know, um, educate yourself, motivate yourself, you know, become in a position um, where then you are enlightened or, you know, you have invented these programs or created these programs. Um, you're then in a position then to help other people. So if you don't invest in yourself, if you don't have that self-love about you, you're not going to be able to really affect much change. Yeah. And I think it's it happens simultaneously. It's like a gradient, right? The thermostat, we can set a thermostat from 60 degrees to you're in Celsius, right? So from 17 degrees to 21 degrees, we can set the thermostat. It's a click. But then the thermometer, so our mindset is a thermostat. I'm setting the mindset. But then the thermometer is the efforts, is the daily efforts. And unlike a thermostat, the efforts have to coincide one degree at a time, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21. I think there is a gap for people between that. So if I say, yes, I'm a lot of people say, a lot of people that come to me say, well, it's easy for you to contribute all your profit to Ukraine. It's easy for you to send money because you have money. And if I, here's this, remember I talked about powerlessness, that's what it sounds like. If I had more money, I would do more. That is the, that is where the deception starts because whatever you make right now, and that's a promise in, to anybody, and I've had not hundreds, thousands of clients now validated. Today, no matter what you make, you're going to starting tomorrow live on a very simple formula, 70, 10, 10, 10. What does that mean? 70% of what you make are your life expenses. You don't spend more than 70%. 10% you pay yourself, it goes into your savings. Non-negotiable. 10% is going to your investments. If you have debt, your investment is to pay off that debt. That's where the 10% goes in. You invest into freedom from debt. And the next 10 goes to charity. I was living this concept when I was living on a thousand dollars a month. I didn't wait to be making thousand dollars an hour. It is because I lived on thousand dollars a month paying 10% to charity, 10% to saving, 10% to investment that I can now do what I do. There's no other way. So if you take nothing else from that, that's the most empowering, practical, order of prosperity and then it thrives yeah i see that formula being replicated now by so many millionaires and people who have that they donate so much of their money to in that kind of formula so it's obviously you know a formula which i don't want to say is catching on because i don't know enough about it but it's obviously a tired and trusted form tired and tested formula where people are recognizing that by giving that you're empowering you're still receiving i guess yeah. Yeah. It's, a, you know, it's back to their, the universe does not give us what we want. It's a flash, flash, you know, people like, well, what do you want? Go manifest it. Yeah. I wish, I wish that was that easy. It just doesn't work that way. We don't get what we want. We get exactly who we are. 
period. The dominant frequency, now Bob Proctor, who was in secret, I, I got lucky, he was my coach for a while, and Bob and I, who impacted my life tremendously, mm -hmm, he and I disagreed on one very simple point. I taught statistics for years, so um, that's where my disagreement came from. He said, when you manifest something, you have to be at that frequency 100%. So if I'm manifesting something, I got to be vibrating that feeling, that knowing, that acting 100%. I'm like, Bob, have you met people? I mean, come on. <laughs> come down from the mountain. Come down from the mountain, you know. And so statistically speaking, this should give hope to everybody. This is what keeps me alive on those days when I don't want to get out of bed, which are many, by the way, right? I'm human. So it's 51%. Your dominant vibration is 51%. So when I talk surrender to love, I'm not talking 100% on the cloud. If you do that, you're no longer here. Congratulations, spirits. I talked to you. But, you know, for us in our beautiful physical form, 51%, which means, yeah, I can be very human. Yes, I'm allowed to get angry. But as long as I process it and I surrender back to love and the feeling of gratitude for the process of surrender to love is 51% of my reality, mm -hmm. I start vibrating love into the universe. So the reason we want to give is because when I am giving, that is who I am. And what gets returned to me by the universe is giving. I am giving, so the universe is giving back. As opposed to, I'm manifesting receiving, but I give nada, and then I burn books saying none of this stuff works. I mean, this is another way to be, right? So just, we receive who we are. And if we receive ugly, it's so beautiful of an opportunity to find that ugly part of you, to love it, to forgive it, to nourish it, to walk with it, not to deny or punish it, but to say, hey, buddy, look at what we created. High five. Let's do better. <laughs> yeah, that is amazing. I love all of that. That's so, so true. So many people are like, oh, no, go away. I don't want to know you. We have to embrace that and realize that it's just as much as part of us as the sunny side that we like to portray to people. And that part of us is there to help us learn, to help us grow. So it's important to give it its attention and bring it up to the table and give it a seat. And that 51% that you're talking about is, is so relevant and so prevalent in spiritual kind of terms as the kind of goal that you need to be in service do you need to be in love to other people if you really want to you know grow as a spiritual being as whatever so i really resonate with that too back to kind of more more i don't want to say mundane things but back to back to you i guess so you became um after you'd kind of left them you know you'd had these children in america you homeschooled them and through your discipline and through your desire, you actually became like 1% of the top real estate agents yeah. in 2009. Yeah. So, you know, they say ignorance is bliss. And in my case, it was, I mean, in most cases it's not, but um, I got into this, this is true story. I come home with the debt and uh, I go online and I, I'm determined to homeschool kids. Now, for those of you that are so impressed with my parenting abilities, uh yes it was spiritually guided choice the spirit told me it was a good choice for my kids but in a practical sense i'm not an early riser so waking up in the morning and taking my kids to the bus stop was not an option okay so this is a real reason why i homeschool the kids well i slept in school started at 10 in the morning 
<laughs> Nobody was neurotically angry, which is what I do if I'm awoken before the bear hour. So, you know, just so that but you were working so hard as well. Were you not? You were working so incredibly hard. You know, I so was. Let's just, let's so, the period. <laughs> so the the yeah. So the the truth was, it was the big why, right? The I I literally went online and I said, what can I do in America to make money while homeschooling my kid, while staying home? And at 2007, the real estate in America was huge. Homes were flying off the shelves. You know, there were 30 bids, and I'm like, oh, I can do that. So I get in a real estate licensing, and I get my license. 2008, the recession hits, and and I put my neighbor's house on sale. My, the woman who trusted me, <laughs> we put the house on the market. And a month later, I'm like, um, I think the market is like 50 grand down. <laughs> She's like, but you told me we could sell it for that. I'm like, I know what I told you. Like I was there and I was so honest about communicating. And obviously the news were catching on. She knew that. And so the smartest thing I've ever done for her was to say, look, it is going down. We just have to go down faster than it does so you can still maximize. And because of the honest, vulnerable conversation, she was my first client. My neighbor trusted me. We sold her house. She then referred me to all of her friends. And she said, if you want honesty, you, you've got Ika. You know, you got. So um, once again, that's how working by referral started. I got a coach with Buffini and Company, the real estate coach, because I felt I was so out of depth with my skills. Um, in my book, Prosper Me, I talk about the law of growth and the formula. This hopefully helps somebody is that it's your mindset times your skill set times your efforts that equals results. I find most people lean into their one strength. Most people that are spiritually minded are all on the mindset instead of growing their skill set or putting their effort people that are much more third plane that are working hard yeah they just want to get by with just the effort probably need skill set or the mindset so for me my mindset was polished it's something that's that's just there you know if i see it i will have it uh but my skill set was rotten you know the market was changing so i i got every possible education i could i worked hard and then I put the effort and the effort was very simple. It was no matter what, communicate with the client, each possibility of what happens, good or bad. And it was so new for people because so many agents were terrified of what was happening. They were trying to make things better. They were not understanding. If I didn't know, I said, I have no idea. Let's find out together. And communicating with people openly, it was just like um, wildfire. People started referring me. I had to get an assistant the second year. Before I knew it, my office, by the way, I, I keep my Sundays to my family and my kids. I've never done an open house or worked on Sunday. And my broker told me, you will never thrive in this business if you don't do Sundays. So a year and a half, he moved all of his open houses to Saturdays. <laughs> and I did a training for the office. And we were the first office in the area that was shut down on Sunday. <laughs> we became the top 10 offices in the area. <laughs> you know, so so there is always um there is always um a possibility to have success the second you let your ego day day die daily. It's a painful death. I had to literally witness my ego die daily because more than once I had to tell my client, forgive me, 
I made a mistake. I didn't, I didn't know how to do this before. You're the first person I'm learning it with. And uh, ironically, people responded to that. Um, so yeah, so I became a top 1% and then started doing business coaching on these principles and realized that while I could teach skill set and I could teach effort, the mindset, I did, I lacked skills to teach. So I went and got a PhD in metaphysical studies to learn everything about mindset. And that's when I got all of the energy modalities and subconscious training so that I could say, okay, if you need skills, do this. If you need effort, do this. But if you need mindset, do this. Brilliant. Yeah. I want to move on then to obviously a lot of the stuff that you do. And as I said, you have so, so much, um, including a YouTube channel, which has just dozens of videos and dozens of topics. You have YouTube lifesavers, money, iHappy, YouTube soulmate manifesting, universal laws, and maybe my favorite, which is conflict resolution 101. But what if they are an asshole? <laughs> yes, you like that one. <laughs> okay. Um, it's a popular topic in couples. I've helped lots of couples with that. But um, there's a four-step rule that is fantastic and it works every time. What doesn't work in relationships is uh, inability to validate your experience as human. You know, somebody like, like Zenith says, somebody's being a complete asshole and you're like, I can't think those thoughts because they interfere with my frequency. I won't create abundance and peace on the universe. No, 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 you will. They're an asshole. Let's just start with it. It's very important, you know, when somebody is just being that. Very important to validate in your mind. Okay. This is this is a bit this should be put in big bold letters in your mind. You go like, man, what an asshole. Now, the step two, it's very freeing, right? We're not judging their spirit. We are naming their behavior. And we must validate behavior. Why? So we can dissolve it. You cannot forgive something that is unnamed. So that's very huge for subconscious. So we name the behavior. The second step will depend on whether this person is somebody who's close to you and is a part of your daily life or somebody who is cutting you on the, on the highway. I don't know how the roads are in, the, in, the, in New Zealand, Australia. I mean, maybe, maybe it's better in the U.S. It happens. So let's say if it's my husband. My husband, by the way, when I do a seminar, gets on stage with me and says, you're not looking at the original asshole. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, <laughs> the second step is the ownership. So first you say, oh my gosh, what an ass, right? What an asshole. The second one, you think, wait a minute, they're my asshole. That is a huge shift in frequency. You go from statement of the fact to the ownership of relationship. So I'm going to talk down the close person first. Oh my gosh, what an asshole. I can't believe he's doing this again. But you know what? He's my asshole. And then number three, because he's my asshole, I choose to forgive him. It's so huge not to ignore, not to suppress, to daily forgive. And then the fourth one is literal choice. I choose to love him. Now, if an asshole is an abuser and you say he's my asshole, you want to ask, should he be, should she be? Right, this this rule, this is not an abuse empowerment rule. This is an empowerment in a healthy relationship. If you're in a relationship where the the asshole stands for severe abuse, 
That's when you get to say, he's mine, she's mine. Should they be? Right? Maybe they should be somebody else's. <laughs> and that's that second path. When you're driving on the road and somebody undercuts you, once again, it's very important to validate that. Maybe you say, I don't, maybe don't, don't, don't say asshole, but if you do, what an asshole. The second is reminder, but they're not even my asshole. You're going to laugh your head off. Just try it. Somebody drives you crazy and you think, what an asshole. And then you shift to, but they're not even my asshole. Like everything in you celebrates the freedom from bondage. Yeah. And yeah. Equally to, I choose to forgive them and then I choose to let them go. Right. Or I choose to love them, whatever is more resonating with you. So that's the principle in conflict resolution. It is amazing when your boss is screaming at you and you're smiling and thinking, man, what an asshole. Should he be my asshole? Should I be looking for another job? Nah, he's kind of okay. He's still my asshole, right? It's amazing. It keeps you free from the energy of damage from another person. That is fantastic and a brilliant way of looking at it. You're absolutely right. It frees you when you feel that I don't have to accept this. I can release myself at any time from this. But you know what? I choose to stay. It's fine. I don't have to. But I can leave this stage or leave this person at any time. Yeah, they're an asshole, but you know what? Thank God I'm not married to them. <laughs> yeah, my asshole. I mean, this is, this is what I got to keep, you know? <laughs> Brilliant. And it's so right, like, you know, because there's so many people get tangled up and I can't think those thoughts. It's not going to work for me if I don't think, oh, you know, can't think that, that that person's an asshole. It really is. It's so liberating. So thank you so much for just explaining that. So you 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 to shine then. Um, and you said on that that it's a global pioneer in heart centered revolution of personal growth development and as you mentioned earlier on love stands for love life originating vibration emotion energy motion where or did you come up with that concept because that is fantastic yeah um in 2005 um i was going through a very dark period of my life if you were to look at any part of my life whether it was uh, my health my money my marriage my it didn't matter you picked a light you you picked an area of my life and it was incredibly incredibly void of hope and void of a void of light right once again that was my perception we're not talking about facts we're talking about the, where i was and um I was uh, pleading, pleading with high power, pleading with, you know, with the source, with God saying, what am I to do? You know, what am I to do here? Um, and then I was woken up literally in the middle of the night. And this uh, voice said, the only way to chase the darkness is to turn on the light. You keep fighting the darkness, stop fighting the darkness. And I realized that's what I was doing. I kept fighting the darkness. So then I said, great, how do I turn on the light? It's all about asking the right question. How do I turn on the light? And this is when I realized that one of the greatest metaphysical philosophers is Shakespeare, <laughs> right? We don't think of him as such, but his, yeah. his uh, quote that gets quoted all the time with none of us fully understanding what it is, it came to me on the walk, to be or not to be, that is the question. I have chills when I say it. I remember the walk, to be or not to be, that is the question. And I started looking at my life, whether I was asking the dark question, how not to be betrayed, how not to be lied to, how not to be sick, versus how to be trusting and trustworthy, how to be fit and vibrant, how to be prosperous, how to be loved. 
it is such a thin line so the first actually in the bible and in torah and in quran all three of those sacred writings there is a phrase that the new age have adapted as well ask and you shall receive the mm -hmm. most misunderstood phrase because what it means is ask not for things not a dirty laundry list of i need to be delivered today i would like a car okay very good seven years later i would still like the same car okay right ask and you shall receive ask what a question when i'm going to say zenith what color are you thinking about you were not thinking about the blue but now you like blue you were not thinking about blue my question framed the answer we cannot not answer we, can, we are wired to answer, so is the universe. So when I'm asking myself, what's wrong with you? How could they do that? My reticular activating system gathers that information, manifests it back. So the two questions that from the point of light that bring light, so that's where the company's name came as you two shine. You two shine, you shine, I shine, two of us shine, you two, little M of matter, big E of energy. I say me, you know, little yeah. M, big E, mortal material matter that manifests that surrenders to eternal energy the, the essence that expands there you go so that's my little me formula that's the u2 shine and so the two questions that i want to share that change they can change your life today if you're going through a hard time you ask how can it be better how can i make it better but for those that are succeeding and they're waiting for the second shoe to drop. The question is, how much better can it get? Just those questions. You know, one of the products we're going to do will be the question deck just to continually know, pull the card and know which questions to ask to co-create the reality. So that's how You to Shine was born by me saying, wait a minute, I'm going to choose light. And the heart centered was the quantum freedom. I've started studying, always been fascinated by chakras. But being intuitively my whole life, intuitive, I found out that if I start opening the flow from the bottom up, it's work. If I start opening from the top up, it's work. But if I connect to love, yeah. so I open everything from the flow of love, and then I go down to the light. And then the number eight is formed of love and light. And no matter what spiritual path you're on, whether you are religious, spiritual, God is love, God is light, universe is love, universe is light, because that love and light is the core of all creation. And then it go up to the throat center so that we can express the love and light we are. So often people say, I speak my truth, and it's like, no, you speak your pain. You speak your pain when you say somebody is this, this, and that. You haven't healed your pain. Your truth is your love and light. So from love and light to speaking it, to creating it, to seeing it, to grounding in it, and to manifesting it. So that's what stands beyond the you to shine. And now we have coaches for each center that are phenomenal people. And I just love what I do. And I have no idea. If tomorrow God says, go grow cabbage in Hawaii, I will do it with the same joy. <laughs> I, I well, let's hope it doesn't come to that. I'll be some great cabbage then. <laughs> you will manifest the best cabbage that you can possibly manifest. Heal all cabbage. <laughs> <laughs> who, 
Who knows? Maybe that will be your next business venture. Manifesting cabbage. <laughs> I don't know. Never know. Oh, goodness me. You need to patent that. <laughs> oh, goodness me. So I, I take it this, um, you know, these teams, they're part of your Empower Me team? Yes. Yep. So the how team. did that happen? Well, as soon as this began to take off and you began to attract more and more, you realized, I can't do this all on my own. So how big is the Empower team? And We have 12 people now, uh, nine already onboarded and are on the side. Three are in the process of onboarding in different um, areas, and it's all naturally formed. Um, and the purpose for the team is to give every aspect of opening the possibility centers to infinite possibilities and the package that we're not releasing yet working on uh, for them as their packages within each one of their unique abilities is the mindset you know i i like asking questions and so people often talk about mindset so i've come to ask what that is came up with a set of six mental faculties of uh, imagination intuition memory perception reason and will and so that way when a client comes to any one of our coaches and they first can assess whether they need to change their mindset skill set or pattern of effort and if it is mindset then they can assess and say your imagination is off the roof but your reason is like hiding in the corner so you are unreasonably imagining things that will never come to pass so you know just making the bridge between the two uh, for me for me my re my reason through the years was suffocating my intuition i intuitively would feel guided to do something and then my reason would step in and explain to me explain to me why this was not gonna work or why it had to work it's more so with no right it's more so yeah. with no yeah. when i would look at a person and be like oh they're gonna be so great at it and the little gut feeling was like not really and i'd be like but look at the statistical analysis yeah <laughs> yeah that is so so true isn't it you know we we sometimes work against what our intuition is saying because we're so eager we're so eager to have this person on board. We think they're going to be such a good fit, but somewhere in the pit of our stomach, we have that little feeling. We're going, oh, I, I feel it, but I don't really want to acknowledge it because I think that this person's going to be such a great fit. And, you know, nine times out of 10, if not more, we should have really listened to that gut feeling. So, yeah, really important that. So, how did quantum freedom then come about? How did that? Was that uh -huh. part of the package or? Quantum freedom is a miracle in a nutshell, because in December 29, by December 2019, I was doing a lot of in-person seminars, seminars for manifesting, seminars for health. You know, I have a beautiful space back in Virginia. They were selling out. I had people on wait list. And so I woke up one morning and this was a great idea. Take the group online. And I'm like, that must be because I'm running out of space. And so we launched it as an online subscription for spiritual work in all areas of your life. I have like group healing, which is physical. I have dedicated works like Science of Getting Rich or, you know, um, um, Course in Miracles that are recorded. Then I have for people that are really into high spirituality, I do spirit gene code activation. So different weeks, I have this program. We launch it on January 24th, 2020. And of course, the world shuts down by March. 
and by then all of our business was shifted to the subscription group um and what gives me more chills is that because i'm bilingual you know i speak both russian and ukrainian and i have a lot of clients in the in those areas of the world um yeah that gives me chills by january 2022 i had a strong feeling to add a russian speaking version of quantum freedom which we launched we launched it exactly a month before the war started and it's become a phenomenal place of healing i do have people from both russia and ukraine in that group people that are seeking light and that they're seeking peace and we do healings for the resolution of the peaceful resolution and at which which is coming you know hopefully april may but which is coming but so in a nutshell quantum freedom has been a beacon of light for me for those that have subscribed i believe it will grow exponentially but um it's one of my big whys it's it's what i live for i live for to create those programs and do them that's just the most fulfilling process for me now absolutely there is nothing more fulfilling than giving healing to see people come to you um especially people who've been through conflict who have suffered ps isn't it pstd it is pstd isn't it PTSD, people who have been through that, who are shell-shocked, who have had their livelihoods destroyed, who have um, been dislocated, um, not only physically, but mentally, spiritually, to come to you and to leave your company and you know your team's company um, empowered in a much better state, that is so fulfilling, isn't it? It is so utterly fulfilling. I as someone who's done healing, I, I absolutely can't think of something that is more noteworthy and more kind of giving back, more being of service to change someone's life. And so I totally agree with you on that. Absolutely. So then we have the me apps. And I did mention that you're like the Swiss army. <laughs> There's just no end to this stuff. You've created these little apps. Um, one is Empower Me, which you've said it is a personal journey of empowerment. Then there is Master Me, which is practical application for law of attraction. So talk to us about that. I know obviously the story about it, which is about, you know, for people who can't really afford, you know, these um, these courses. It was a way of um, like one minute, two minutes of little kind of inspiration, little quotes and stuff that you've taken from some of the stuff that you do that people can use on a daily basis at a very little expense. Talk to yeah. about that. Yeah, Master Dash Me is the app that is one time $3, yours forever, and it's a calendar attached app with daily energy activations. They're called energy activations because they take an affirmation and it is energetically charged to change the wiring of your subconscious and the physical brain, right? So that you can live at it. And it's 52 virtues. I am a firm believer that our divine self comes to this physical experience to gather virtues so that we can learn to bend the laws so that we can create universes. That's the, that's in a nutshell what I think we're doing here, you know, messing through it, but Hey, so the yeah. app is 52 weekly virtues and every week you kind of, focus on a different one. The Empower-Me app is a continually growing app. That's the app that's going to continue to expand. And that is the app that invites you to 
really assess, adapt your growth and healing. That app is $20, well, $19.99, so $20 a year. We're planning on keeping it that way while increasing the value exponentially. It has three-minute guided meditations for each chakra. So if you're looking to, for example, I'll give you an example of so many people are trained in the world that no news is good news. So as a result, our brain reverses it to that there is no, new, there is no good news for me. And so we're waiting for bad news. So there is a three-minute meditation that rewires your brain to receiving good news. People do that and they're like, oh my gosh, I got so many good news. So there are these three-minute meditations that are super empowering for people that are processing grief. We have a My Grief set. With work with clients, I find out there are 99 aspects of grief. 99. Wow. So the app energetically matches you. You shake the phone. And it pops up the aspect of grief for you to process. And there is going to be a validation for it. Steps to visualize it. Once again, if you cannot afford $100 for a coach, but you need help, just like you said, Zenith, that is where you start. And I say start because by using the app, against all odds, you will be at a point where you can then continue the journey in person if you choose to. So. Yeah, that is so inspiring, so empowering. You know, breaking it right it down into those small, tiny components and thinking because there's so many people in this um, <clears throat> line of work. I guess so many people that we interview because I also know that you're you're also a podcast host. Yeah, well. I did a season, but you're a hero who keeps going. I did a season. <laughs> well, you 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 have that experience and. Um, I'm sure you've been on so many shows as well where people talk about their own kind of work and there are so many people who run these courses and they're completely priced outpriced of a lot of people especially in today's climate this energy crisis and all the rest of it, people are really feeling a pinch um they're just completely priced out of people's price ranges and people need the help um so many people i think that everything that we do in this world revolves around healing of some description we're trying to heal ourselves from all the things that we've been conditioned into even from this physical incarnation because we you know we're, we're less imperfect in this so everything that we're doing for me anyway revolves around healing so to price someone out of something that they could really benefit from isn't isn't particularly helpful so i love that idea that you've invented something that is a stepping stone for people that is something that because you know when the chips are down you know when you're in those dark periods that sometimes you can't think of the bigger picture so you have to grasp onto something you have to grasp onto the little smallest tiniest pieces of you know inspiration or positivity that you've got like the, the like the roots of a plant or something like that to stop yourself falling off into that blackness so for me it's that if nothing else is, is, is right in your life, you have that little piece of inspiration. You have that little tiny candlelight in the in the darkness and you can use that to hold on to and let it grow and let it brighten until, as you say, eventually the solutions will come into your life if you just keep yourself focused on that. So I absolutely love that. And I think that is so utterly needed and so essential in today's, today's world. So... Not that you need it, but thank you so much for, for no, that. Thank anyway. you. 
Oh, you know what? I needed more than you know because, you know, with uh, when you pour so much, when you pour so much love and work, and for those of the people that haven't produced products, just realize out of 1999, after the Google, the Apple, the country—I mean, the profit is a dollar per download, right? This is not this is not a profitable financially scheme, but once you hear that that little app has kept somebody alive another day you don't care about the burden you carry financially to be developing it right you so so then it's appreciated more than you realize honestly just you know because i think we all need to go the next day and <laughs> we do we absolutely do and i hear so many people talk about this oh well it's not really necessary that i get praise i just carry on doing it but it's not about the praise it's to let you know that what i'm doing is making a difference yes we can do what we do in a vacuum where nobody ever gives us feedback where nobody ever responds to us but it's very disheartening we 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 as human beings are designed for interaction we're designed for um you know we're not designed as we were saying there to go and sit at the top of the mountain because it's freaking lonely there you can do that. You cannot interact with society as much as we want to, because believe me, so many times I feel like saying, I want to get the hell out of here. I want to go and live in Papua New Guinea with some indigenous tribe and the hell with the rest of humanity because I'm so sick to death of it. But we're not designed to do that. We're designed to be here, especially as bright lights, as you know, souls who've come down here to anchor that light. We're here to help shift the rest of this population. We're here to help shift the rest of humanity. So we're designed to interact with each other and with interacting with each other we need that feedback we need that because it provides um layers to build upon you know when we're constantly praising and celebrating each other's worse and good points and all of that stuff it provides the impetus to grow it provides the impetus to carry on and sometimes you do get that little bit of disheartenment you do get that little bit of, you know, is this really worth it? I'm giving all of my time. It's not financially, it's cost effective for me. And not one person comes along and says from the bottom of their heart, you changed my life. This has changed my life. And it lifts you, it stirs you up inside to, you know, redouble your efforts to carry on before. So I think that's a falsehood that I find in so many people. It's this false modesty. Oh, I don't need this. Look, give me feedback. Please give me feedback because if you give me feedback, I'm going to continue on giving output. So I think you're absolutely right. Um, and I guess that's just why that I really wanted to make that point. You know, to, just to let you know that and I'm sure you have this so much, but it's still nice no matter how often you get it, to have someone give a heartfelt compliment and, and someone to say that that's so, so important in today's world and for thinking of those people who can't afford those $500 courses or those $1,000 courses or um, come on join me in this $800 retreat to Ecuador or $500 that may sound great but how am I going to get this flight to Ecuador on top of that again especially if I have financial dependence um, you know so just I, I, yeah it really is it's so important it touches me really oh thank you uh, really deeply um yeah anyway before i break down and start blubbering like a baby 
Oh, whoo. I'm gonna I'm gonna move on here. So yeah, another um let's 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 get the uh let's get this um uh, Swiss Army knife really unpacked. So we're now moving on to free me. This is a tailored <laughs> pre-program that you've done. So if you're not talented enough, Victoria, you know, let's pull something else out of, out of your hand. You know, already pulled up these rabbits. Oh my god, with doves with all sorts down here now. So yeah, you, you obviously do EFT as well, which is emotional freedom technique. And I've heard other people had other guests on this. I kind of know a bit about it myself as well. So what is different about the EFT program that you offer, which is different from all these other people out there? I think first I want to honor right the founders of EFT that even made it possible for me to do free EFT because um, they gave rights to, and I think they knew that subconsciously, intuitively, that it probably was yet not fully developed. So if you think of the history of EFT and how it's been created, it's been created by phenomenal men, but men who mostly were the masculine, healthy, beautiful energy. What does that mean, masculine, beautiful, healthy energy? The masculine energy creates space. When it's unhealthy, it goes to war. Mm -hmm. When it is healthy, it clears the disorder. It, it clears the way. And that's what EFT was doing. It cleared the way. It tapped by naming things that bother you and tapping on the, um, you know, the point, the points of release. You cleared the way. But masculine energy is incomplete without the feminine energy. Then, then fills the way we talk about in the very beginning, right? We came to where we started about the boundaries and the current. So the EFT beautifully created boundaries. It emptied the space. And what I found a lot of clients would naturally reset to the very next energy available to them. So if they went from fear, they went to apathy. If they released apathy, they went to you know denial or whatever that next accessible was for them. And then they kept tapping and these sessions and so... Being somebody who asks, what is the best way, right? How could I do it better? Same question I've told everybody. When something is not quite working, where I would have people say, if T doesn't work for me, I started noticing and observing that some people were tapping past the point of release, that the original EFT, there wasn't a teaching on paying attention of how unique your point of release is. And when you are at that point of releasing the energy and having made space to stop, to pause, and then to affirm into your heart at a heartbeat what it is that you'd rather have. So if you're releasing anger, once you took a big release, stop at that point and then say, I'm now at peace and match your heartbeat. And you get to affirm it to the heartbeat until you feel that energy of peace filling the space where anger used to be. And so we do the full training and certification on that. I, um, we now have, I think, eight, yeah, eight instructors, couple with our team and couple that are just hold the license. Um, one, I think, in, I have, I have one in Finland, I think I have one in Spain, the rest are in the U.S. that are certified 
to teach free EFT for people as a complete package. And the feedback we receive is huge. So I want to make clear, it's not that it's better. It's not that it's a, you know, it's just to me, a more complete version of how I see it. Um, and I think that there's no wrong way to heal. There's a right way for every person. And that's just one of those many ways that we've come up with. Yeah, that's fantastic because um, you're right. There, There's just different teachers and different methods and modalities for different people. Just as we all learn differently, you know, we can go on um, as there are different um, teachers for different people. You can go on to YouTube and watch 20 videos of people saying the same thing. But it'll be that 21st person whose voice will it okay even though those other 20 people have pretty much said the same thing around about the same things it'll be that 21st person so i think that that's what you're talking about here there are a number of eft practitioners practitioners out there there are a number of people who have developed it who have done it in different ways but you're coming up with a way that speaks to you and if it speaks to you it's going to speak to other people I think that's hopefully, or I think that's what you're talking about there. You've come up with a way that works for you. You've taken this teaching, I guess, like all teachings, you know, we've never, things are never stagnant. They're never the same. People take things and adopt them and, you know, take up, well, that doesn't quite work for me. It doesn't quite resonate with me. I feel that this is the way I need to go with it. And people follow them down that path. So I think that that's what you've done with this free me EFT. You've taken these tired and trusted methods as you say, because I've tried it myself in the traditional way and thought, well, okay, it's good, but, you know, it doesn't quite work for me, but maybe, you know, my wife's went, okay, I can see the benefit of that. But, you know, potentially your your, your method, oh, okay, this works for me because it's more about the heart base, it's more about, you know, the love, which I really resonate with. So mm -hmm. I think that, um, once again, that's another important um, aspect and another important part of your um teachings and offerings that you know we really need to to elaborate on and explain about why it is that you know out of all these different teachings why someone should potentially go to you it's not that they should go to you it's just that they should if they're not finding success in traditional methods or other teachers why not try something a bit different why not try it your way yeah, yeah absolutely <laughs> <laughs> now we're, we're going to move on to your books now um you know it's just getting ridiculous now victoria it really is you know is there anything that you can't do um, oh there's very little i can do i can love everything else i leave to professionals <laughs> <laughs> so your first book heaven is for everyone which is inspired and daily activations of weekly virtues a bit like your own and um, your second book i'm not, not too sure if these are in order until you shine is a list of universal laws and their practical applications then you have until you win which is an audio book which is kind of along the lines of when don't think of your past quits you know oh i quit this before i don't i quit this before forget about that instead of looking back you look forward and go i'm going to win so i think that's what that's about then the book which you at the time um that i had you had contacted me you were going off to do your book signing tour um or in all of these different countries which was prosper me the 35 universal laws to make money for you and i remember the time you said you were going off to lovely finland yes. yeah i'm wondering actually is that where um you've met this finnish 
EFT practitioner. Is that where that came about or were they already in place? They were already in place. They're part of the team and they're just wonderful, wonderful uh, friends, team members and family, I guess, at this point that that hosted the book signing. Uh, there are a couple of people that when they ask, I don't say no because I know, you know, so they just said, hey, we want to put a group of people for book signing. Will you fly out? I said, absolutely. Now, this was 2020 during lockdown. We had a fake letter written by Mika saying the Finnish government needed me to save it. Uh, first, the U.S., uh, you know, I shouldn't say fake um, because we didn't have any fake names there, but the intent was pretty much she's coming to save the country, right? The first, tri the first trip to Finland 2020. So uh, knowing that I can make to Finland any time signing the book in 2022 was no was no problem <laughs> but um you know the books are great their journey any author that's um written that's writing will know exactly what i'm saying is that you outgrow your books and you look at your book and you go like oh my gosh how could i write it but you understand somebody on their journey are exactly yes. where that needs to be said so there was until you win and then until and until you win the original publisher stole all the rights and all the royalties for the first two years so we oh. had to republish it just as an just an as um electronic copy to have it yeah the tate publishers um yeah a year and a half of royalties it, it's it's a it's a fascinating story of me learning you know a lot of things valuable yeah. things um and until you shine is actually my doctorate um, it's study of the universal laws uh, that are under the law of light. So it's a great little um, thing for somebody who's very advanced and is seeking deep understanding of that. And then, yes, heaven is for everyone, just like you said, is the master me became the app. Um, and Prosper Me is the first of the chakra-centered, possibility-centered books. And it's a book that's taken a life of its own, honestly. Uh, it's the first book that I felt called to be sharing and speaking on. The others I felt I wrote because I had something to say and I wasn't attached at all to who it reached. With this one, the urge was people need it, write it now. I wrote it and published it just before, you know, the, the, this second recession started hitting us pretty, pretty bad. Um, and I do believe that it's an answer to someone's prayer slash meditation. Um, and I just hope to find all those people. So I just really hope that the book finds them. We actually, so not to get overwhelmed by the 35 laws, it's not meant to overwhelm, it's a map. We've created a quiz. Um, it's very easy to remember. It's moneyquiz.me that tells you what is your main dominant emotion in life is. That emotion helps you to create reality, but if it's not properly channeled, it'll block your prosperity. So that quiz, it's a very funky quiz. You know, I'm funky, so quiz has to be aligned. It's not a serious quiz about money. It's funky. But it can you... Sorry, is that the quiz that you send people to on the pod? Podmesh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Moneyquiz.me. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, and so it'll tell you your dominant emotion and then the three laws that you want to start working with in order to open the doors of prosperity so that's um how that whole scenario is working out and i know that um it was inspired by your mom lydia and it was yes. it was your dream to see your parents yeah. hold hands on your beachfront house 
So you actually got to see that dream come true. And that was inspired by your mom too. And there's a, a lovely line in the sample that I had read off it, um, which says that I matter. I matter through my eternal essence, through the light and the love that I am. I am me. And I just thought that was so empowering and so inspiring. Because it also speaks of the I am, which is a great you know, universal um, law or concept to recognize the Godhead within you too. So I also plucked that out of that little line, but that line is absolutely fantastic. Oh, thank you. Yeah, my dad, 1986, when Chernobyl happened, my dad was an editor-in-chief for one of the main newspapers and he was called to go to Chernobyl three days after nuclear explosion and report that everything was fine so he came back he was throwing up and he refused to do so and so we went from a family that was recognized and influential to me and my mom wearing the same pair of boots through the winter me to school taking turns with her going to work and my mom sat me down and said don't you ever forget how lucky you are being a little girl who gets to wear fancy adult shoes. What an opportunity. Now that is the mindset of prosperity. I never felt poor. I never felt without because of this incredible woman who happened to be my mom, who complete, and that's how I saw it. And I was like so secretive because I got to wear the, sh the butts, the grown butts. And it was, it was that way about everything. It was that way about everything. She was teaching me to see the world through the eyes of gratitude and miracle. And the 35 laws were the universal principles that I have absorbed. They were not taught to me. They were lived for me of spiritual abundance. And so generationally, Yes, my parents have received abundance through their line, through their daughter, you know, and then through them. I've brought them into U.S. and there's just a long story of my parents and, and who they are as people. And so that's where the book was dedicated to her because spiritual prosperity comes before financial prosperity always. If it doesn't, it's monetary corruption. And that's why spiritual people are afraid of it because they don't know the order, back to the order of prosperity. Absolutely inspiring, beautiful, beautiful dream and beautiful story of how your mom inspired you. And you've carried that with you from childhood and had that magical world about you and had that gratitude and always thought that you, know, you were wealthy. Um, I've carried that on through through your adult life and obviously it's inspired you to to write this book which is a way then of giving back to your mom so it's come back full circle just amazing amazing story and then finally i guess um we should talk did you also do video programs as well i picked one out um i happy through forgiveness because the concept of forgiveness is so powerful um for me forgiveness is um is, is a way of empowerment. People think that when you're asking for forgiveness or that you're giving forgiveness, that it is a, um, you know, a weak point. 
But what you're actually doing is releasing responsibility, a bit like what we were talking about earlier. You're releasing responsibility. You're releasing this unhappiness. You're releasing this pent-up anger. You're releasing all of those kind of emotions. And so you're becoming more light-filled. You're becoming more joyous, more happy. And I was wondering if, if that was what you kind of had in mind. Yeah, the forgiveness. That, that was one of the earlier programs. So thank you for even digging it up. I'm like, oh, yeah, what is he talking about? Oh, ah. you know, I had all kinds of internal conversations here. So thank you for, but yeah, I, I uh, interestingly enough, the law of forgiveness is the last of the laws in the Prosper Me book. The first one is the law of gratitude. The last one is the law of forgiveness. And it's last not because it's least, but because it's the one that I want people to remember the most. So when you finish the book, that's the one that lingers with you. And in that, I look at the word forgiving as forgiving. So forgiving is forgiving your resentment, your burden, and your pain away. Forgiving space for prosperity, for healing, for light. And forgiving yourself a chance as a divine being that you are. And I give an exercise um, that is so huge. I found that um we can fool ourselves into thinking we've forgiven but if the results are not showing it to us we still carry resentment because often for our subconscious mind to forgive it needs to have heard things that have not been said so for anyone who's struggling with forgiveness writing a letter to yourself from the person that harmed you addressing you and asking you for forgiveness first saying, please forgive me that I'm not in a position in this life to ask you for it. I'm either mentally, emotionally, or physically, if I'm dead, not capable of doing it. But please know, when I, BCD, don't justify, I did wrong, I wronged you. Please forgive me the unforgivable. Please for, And once your subconscious mind receives what it needs to hear, it dislodges on such a powerful way, a level, because it doesn't know the difference of either you saying it. And another thing is going to happen. You will start writing feeling awkward. And then all of a sudden, that person's higher self, that whole healed part of them, will step in and it'll start flowing. And it can be a very healing, profound way for you some of the clients, the miracle continued into the actual physical person reaching out to them. But it, it, that, that is not the purpose for that. The purpose is you have to, we have to be asked forgiveness sometimes in mm. order to forgive at the deepest of levels. That's a beautiful, beautiful way of putting it. And it's obviously something that I've learned in my own path. And it's, it's not about forgiving overnight, but it's about, you know, coming to a um for me anyway um because i didn't really think about that idea of writing a letter but it's something that you learn to um evolve and release more and more as you begin to go through your journey i guess for me it's not about just saying you need to forgive straight away but it's coming to the realization coming to the acceptance that within forgiveness is power within forgiveness is strength within forgiveness is loving is healing of all these great qualities and i think the more that you begin to recognize that the more that you learn to forgive that person or you know or learn to accept forgiveness whatever the case may be 
the more that you will, you know, evolve in your own journey. So it's just something that means something to me. And then just finally, I guess, obviously, in kind of uh, in the same vein as the app, you've got these audio programs and you have like three minute meditations and stuff in them as well as you, you kind of do. Yeah, the programs were the forerunners for the app and for the quantum freedom. Um, we've kept them because once again, it's all about the price point, right? I just want to make sure that a person who is interested in learning can, in other words, there's this big thing of when person says, I can't afford it, and you tell them, oh, you can't afford not to buy it. I think it's so, so treacherous. I think if a person can't afford it, they can't afford it. And it and it's not um, it's not a mental mindset as much as the financial mindset. And so it's important to start where you can afford it and grow into affording more. That's just so that's why we have all those price points. I think you're right as well. Sorry to cut you off, but it's also not about shaming people saying oh well you can afford this you can afford to do that if you cut that out you can because that just breeds resentment that's not what you're meant to be doing this you're not trying to force people into in the mm -hmm. bank it has to be through their own choice whether you look at their lifestyle and look at their finances and go well you know really you could afford it if you cut x y and z or whatever you're not helping them ultimately they have to want to come to it themselves you know if they're really interested in doing that they look at their own things and go well i can't afford this but what else am i spending my money on if I cut down on that, and then I could afford it. So it's not about, as you say, um, telling them they can't afford it or saying, I don't believe that you can't afford it. They have to want to come to it at the end of the day and to try and force it upon them is just not conducive or conductive to you know, their, their own growth. But um, I guess I want to find out then if there's anything that, uh, you know, that if there's any more kind of tools that you're going to add to your your Swiss Army knife that you haven't actually gotten done. What does the future hold, Victoria? Is there anything else you can come with? Saving the world, maybe? Uh, well, other than cabbage, you mean, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, the we're Talking going cabbage. to. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna keep building on the Empower Me app. I'm very excited about it because we're gonna be all same cost. We're adding um breathing exercises for hyperpressive breathing. We're adding EFT sessions for people to release emotion immediately. Uh so we're continually adding to the app and the you know the decks that I've mentioned, but I think I want to take this last moment to just kind of say what inspired it all in a nutshell. And what keeps me going, you know, um, and that's a story that I share often. And I never, I never, I'm yet to get it through without emotion because I just, I just love what it means to me. And that is in 1400s, um, there is a Italian sculptor Donatello, and Donatello is commissioned to carve a sculpture, and he is given a huge slab of marble. So he studies the marble, and he finds a lot of veins in that marble and he rejects it because in a marble language veins means crack <laughs> it's gonna mm -hmm. crack crumble it's not gonna work so he rejects the marble 50 years goes by and another great sculptor his name is Michelangelo that we all know out of that faulty marble um, actually sculpts David which is 
arguably one of the most famous sculptures that still stands in Florence. I've actually been to Florence. It's not in a museum. It's on the street. It's exposed to all elements. So 600 years later, it still stands. And so when contemporaries asked Michelangelo, how could he possibly carve this beautiful, at that time not tested by time yet, but this beautiful sculpture of David out of rejected faulty marble, Michelangelo says, I saw the angel in the marble and I carved until I set him free. I just think as any light worker, as any healer, as any coach, that's the privilege that we get to bear of seeing the angel in the marble and carving until we're all free. And that's honestly, that drives me, that breathes me, and that inspires me daily. That is actually making me well up with emotion too. Um, that is such a beautiful quote. And to hear your emotion is setting me off too. As an empath, <laughs> and it is <laughs> almost for the second time during this interview, my eyes are actually welling up. That is a beautiful and it, not only is it a beautiful quote, because I've heard that quote, maybe not in those words before, but to hear you express it was so emotional, to hear the emotion in your voice when it speaks to you of the trials and the journey that you have been on, and you look back upon your life to where you are now, and it just, it's not an easy life, and we don't know what the future holds. We can't see round corners. We don't know. Sometimes it requires a leap of faith. And sometimes it takes patience, perseverance. Um, and sometimes we don't know how we're going to get through the next day. Um, everything kind of seems dark, but somehow, somehow we do it. Somehow we find these reservoirs of strength. Sometimes the guidance isn't always there. Sometimes we feel alone and bereft and adrift, um, like a boat at sea. Um, it's lost its moors and we've no direction and we're rudderless somehow through all of that we make it somehow through all of that through that blackness that lump of coal that we've become hardened and we emerge from that lump of coal as this radiant brilliant diamond that shines its light and is so beautiful and so empowering but so sharp and hard at the same time and that speaks to me of your journey and the emotion that you felt in that voice and that's why it just hit me like a river overpowering me where I just say, oh my goodness me. And it is beautiful, absolutely beautiful to have shared this one hour and 37 minutes with you, talking to you about your journey through the laughs, through the seriousness. And that's what we were talking about before this interview had actually started. And I'm glad that we've actually come through circle with this. We were talking about that we get so serious in this and we need to have that humor we need to have that humor and humor only comes through great trial and tribulation sometimes and you'll find that some of the most deepest spiritual people who occur are not the people who you know are aloof who take themselves so seriously but the people who can laugh at themselves and laugh at the absurdity of all of, of all of it and i'm just i'm so privileged and so glad to have taken the opportunity to enter into a dialogue with you and uh, to accept your invitation to to come on this thing. And I'm privileged that you reached out to me oh. um, to to interview you. It's not it's not my pleasure, but my privilege. Oh. Um, 
And I guess um, there's no reason to leave you or ask you for an inspirational quote because you already kind of answered that. So I'll just leave the interview now and just say thank you so, so much, Victoria, for being you, for being the Swiss army knife of spirituality. Long may I continue and long may you not only um, entertain those people who can, who are in need of it and who can afford it, but always think of the poor kind of people that who would need this, um, but who can't afford it and come up with innovative ways of reaching them and making your lessons and the things that you do affordable to them. Thank you, Zenith. And I got to tell you, when you were speaking so poetically, we're going to clip that, we're going to share that, and when you publish that book of yours, mine will be the first signed copy. There is such there is such a voice within you that is mesmerizingly beautiful. So it's been an honor. Thank you. Uh, thank you so much. Well, we're going to end the interview now um, for you people who are watching this. And in the spirit of manifesting, uh, Victoria and I are going to manifest Roger Federer and Serena Williams once I mix doubles with him and go off and have some quantum cabbage. 